Welcome to another installment of Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseborough. I am your servant in Jesus Christ. This is the channel that compares what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. So, yeah, it's been a couple weeks since uh, Russia has invaded the Ukraine, and there's prophetic news all over the place. God is apparently talking and stuff and stuff. Uh, yeah, so if you are prone or you know somebody who's prone to wanting to check in the latest prophetic headlines as it relates to the Ukraine, send them this video. Yeah, this, this is not what people are saying it is, and we're going to tear a few of the few things apart. Like, we're going to start with taking a look at, is this the Gog-Magog war or a precursor to it? Uh, as uh, prophesied by Ezekiel in, in Ezekiel 38. No. And I'll show you how biblically you can kind of piece this together. Uh, we'll be listening to Pat Robertson, Cindy Jacobs, Chuck Pierce, Chris Yoon. You get the idea. It's going to be a, a fun episode of Fighting for the Faith. So uh, let's get to it. Let's whirl up the desktop. And uh, we're going to start by heading over to the 700 Club. And... We're going to listen to Pat Robertson, who apparently came out of mothballs for the purpose of uh, giving us his prophetic insights as it relates to the invasion of the Ukraine. Uh, <clears throat> here's Pat Robertson. Now the word of the Lord. Now, notice how he started. Now the word of the Lord. So thus saith the Lord. If you contradict Pat Robertson here, uh, you're, you're, you're contradicting God himself. It says this, and I want to read from Ezekiel. Son of man, set your face toward Gog in the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. Prophesy against him and say, this is what the Lord God says. Behold, I'm against you, Gog, chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. So I'll turn you around and put hooks into your jaws and bring you out. Is, is that referring to Putin? And all your army, horses and horsemen, all of them magnificently dressed, a great contingent with them, Persia, Cush, and Put, all of them with buckler and helmet, Gomer with all his troops, Beth Togarma from the remote parts of the north with his troops, many people with you. Now, I want to show you the map of what we're looking at right now. So he just read out probably one of the most difficult portions of Scripture to interpret. I'm not making that up. Uh, when it comes to understanding what is going on in Ezekiel 38 and 39, uh, let's just say that there's a lot of ink that's been spilled over this over the years, and um, you need to... Uh, take a slow down approach and consider uh, some actual real scholarship. I do not in any way, shape, or form consider Pat Robertson to be a trustworthy Bible teacher. So he just read out this, and supposedly he's going to now show us a map and explain how this all works out on a map. Now, note he read the NASB version. That'll come into play here in a minute, but uh, let's keep going. I want to give you the perspective now. If you look quickly, you see Ukraine, that's the blue. You've got yeah. Poland, you've got the Baltic states in there. You've mm -hmm. got uh, the uh, Russian uh, uh, satellites. You've got Azerbaijan, Armenia, Turkey. And across the Crimea, it looks like all for years, the Russians have wanted to get out of the Sea of Azov. In all right. Now, what I'm going to do, just to kind of help out just a little bit, I'm going to speed them up slightly. Into the Black Sea and then turn into the Mediterranean. And if they do, there's a choke point that you see between Bulgaria, Turkey, and Greece. And you've got... I have no idea what this has to do with Ezekiel 38. None whatsoever. He gave us the word of the Lord from Ezekiel 38 and then showed us this map. Don't see a connection. Here. On the right-hand side, Turkey... And on the left-hand side, you've got the Crimea and you've got the, uh, the Baltic. Now, what we've got to look at, I want to show you uh, again the map of what's there. And then we want to take a look at what the Bible has to say. 
Uh, All right, so show us the map of what's it, there. The Bible says it will come about in that day when God comes against the land of Israel, declares the Lord, that my fury will... All right, so now we're in the later part of Ezekiel 38, uh, NASB. I will come, it will come about on that day when God comes against the land of Israel, declares the Lord God, that my fury will mount up in my anger and my zeal. You get the idea here, and now the question is, what does it mean? But let's let him read it mount out. Mount up in my anger, in my zeal, in my blazing wrath, I declare that on that day there will be a great earthquake in the land of Israel. The fish of the sea, the birds of the air, of the sky, the animals of the field, all the crawling things, and all mankind who are on the face of the earth will shake in my presence, and the mountains will be thrown down. The steep pathways and every wall will fall to the ground, and I will call for a sword against him on all my mountains, declares the Lord. Every man's sword will be against his brother. With plague and with blood, I will enter into judgment with him, and I will rain on him and his troops and on the many people who are with him, a torrential rain, hailstones, fire, and brimstone. All right, what's it referring to? Now, this portion of Ezekiel is apocalyptic. Uh, it's, a, it's very much in the same genre as the entire book of Revelation, which means we're dealing with symbolically coded language that is referring to something. And we're in order to figure out how to unpack the symbolically coded language, uh, we're going to need uh, to employ a couple of um, important exegetical techniques. Number one, Scripture interprets Scripture. In fact, that's your big one, if you would. But uh, we'll also have to take a look at closer at some of the language here. So, again, he's reading out an apocalyptic text, very difficult to uh, interpret this passage of Scripture, but he claims that he's going to be able to interpret it by putting things onto a map. Now, again, let's take a look at that map behind me. I think you need to understand what's there. Uh, there we were looking. All right. So what he's done is he's taken some of the names. And you'll note in the NAS version, NASB, there was no mention of Rosh. Uh, and so we're going to have to take a look at what's going on here. Now, before he goes anywhere, this is where we're going to do a little bit of interpretive work. Uh, in order to understand this, we're going to have to take a look at the Hebrew, and we're also going to have to take a look at, at least in part, uh, a little bit of a debate about Ezekiel 38, verse 2, and the proper way to translate it, okay? Let's just say that the vast majority of Bible translators uh, don't translate Rosh as a place. But note what he's done here. He's taken the word Rosh and he's put it over Rasha. See? Look at Russia is in Ezekiel 38. No, it isn't. Not even close. So Gomer, Rosh, Magog, Persia, Togarma, and Tubal, Put, and Kush. All right, let's, uh, let's do a little bit of work here. So what I've done is, uh, first of all, let's take a look at it at least in context in the passage, and then I'll, we'll take a look at what I put together in Keynote just to kind of make the point. So the word of Yahweh came to me, son of man, set your face towards Gog of the land of Magog. And then in the ESV, it translates it, the chief, so Nasi Rosh Meshech Vatubal. Now, note I, the, the, the wow here, I'm, I'm pronouncing it using modern Hebrew rather than ancient Hebrew. Just so if you're going to correct me, understand I'm using the modern pronunciation. So again, Nasi Rosh Meshech Vetubal. The question is, what does Rosh mean here? Now, have you ever heard of, you know, the Jewish New Year? Rosh Hashanah, right? What does that mean? Head of the year. Okay, so Rosh many times means chief or head. You get the idea here. And so as a result of it, the ESV translates it, uh, Nasi, Prince, Rosh, Chief, Meshach, Prince of Meshach. And, uh, and so let me, let, me, let me pull this up and you'll kind of get the idea. All right, so he, here's our phrase in question, Nasi, Rosh, Meshach. Vetubal, right? NASB, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. NIV, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. ASV, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. You seeing a theme here? The King James, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. NASB 1995, the prince of Rosh, 
Meshach, and Tubal. New King James Version, the Prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. So here's where the debate is. The debate is on whether or not in the Hebrew text, Rosh is to mean the chief of the prince of Meshech, or if Rosh is a territory, you know, similar to Tubal, Put, and, uh, you know, Gog and Magog. That's the debate. And on the one end of the debate, you have kind of the language of the Masoretic text as well as the Septuagint that favor the concept of Rosh itself being its own territory that's being mentioned here. On the other hand, you have this kind of very standard way of looking at the word Rosh as meaning chief or head. And, uh, and as a result of it, the vast majority of modern translators for modern English translations, they don't translate it as Prince of Rosh, but they chant, translate it as the chief prince of Meshech. So, all of that being said, then, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, you can sit there and go, well, let, let me let me do this here. Uh, so what you're telling me here. So you're telling me there's a chance. No, no, not at all. I am not saying that at all. <laughs> so there's a chance that Roche means Russia. No. Not at all. In fact, you know, I did a little bit of research on this over this past week. And um, the Concordia Commentary by Horace, Horace Hummel, uh, he, he's a fantastic Lutheran uh, Hebrew scholar and uh, exegete. And he actually favors the idea that Rosh should be understood as its own territory. But listen to what he says in the Concordia commentary on this, because I think this summarizes it well. He says, some object to taking Rosh as a place name because of the difficulty of determining what area it denotes. And the difficulty is indeed difficult. But to my mind, this objection is a less than convincing reason to reject the Masoretic text. Earlier scholars often cited the mention of a Byzantine and Arabic writers of Scythian of a Scythian tribe called Ru, all right, that occupied the northern Taurus Mountains. Now, so the ancients thought that Rosh here was a place and that it was referring to a Scythian tribe that lived in the Taurus Mountains. Where are the Taurus Mountains? Southern Turkey. Nowhere near Russia, right? All right. So more recently, if a geographical lo location is sought, scholars tend to adduce Rahu, Rehu, Arahi in Neo-Assyrian records and Ugaritic text. That location, however, was on the border between Babylon and Elam, far to the east, nowhere near Russia, right? And hence thought by some to be too distant from Meshech and Tubal, which are mentioned next. However, as we proceed, it becomes evident that Ezekiel's vista covers a broad horizon, so that hardly seems to me to be a disqualifying argument either. And then listen to the next paragraph. The only identification, this is a direct quote, the only identification to be rejected unconditionally is the fatuous attempt of some dispensational premillennialists to identify Ezekiel's Rosh with modern Russia, most, mostly because of asinatal similarity. We'll talk about that word here in a second here. I'm gonna, in fact, what I'm going to do here, I'm going to copy that word, and we'll paste it into Google so you can figure out what that means. Uh, mostly because of asinatal similarity. It has to do with how it sounds, by the way. The association is hopelessly anachronistic because all evidence indicates that Rosha is of northern Viking derivation and was first used in the Middle Ages. So all of that being said, let me, let me do this. Let me go here, and we're going to look up the word asinatal. And here's the uh, definition, okay? Resemblance of sound, especially the vowel sounds in words, okay? So what Horace Hummel, a real biblical scholar and real biblical exegete, which 
Pat Robertson isn't, okay, he rightly points out that the reason why premillennialists and dispensationalists thinks that, think that Roche is talking about Rochah is because of its, its similarity in how it sounds. But that's not the referent at all. So the idea here is even if you because of your understanding of how Hebrew works and uh, in your understanding of how the church has historically understood this text. And even before there was a Christian church, how the, uh, the Jews translated this in the Septuagint. And do you think that Rosh is a, an actual place? The one place it isn't is Roshah. Okay, that, that's anachronistic and not at all what this is referring to. But the question then comes up, now that we've kind of nailed this down, question comes up, what exactly is Ezekiel getting at? Okay, is this talking about some uh, alliance between particular geographical regions waging war against the nation state of Israel in a geopolitical sense? Answer, no. So the next thing we have to take a look at is this idea that scripture interprets scripture. That being the case, pay close attention to what Revelation 20 does with this prophecy because this will be your interpretive key. Revelation 20, verse 7, when the thousand years are ended, this is talking about the end of the millennium, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth. Gog and Magog to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. If this is sounding like Ezekiel 38, if we're re reading this correctly, is referring to like the final battle between Satan and God and Satan and his church, that's the point. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the what? Saints. And the beloved city, but fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. And they were tormented day and night forever and ever. Now, it is not the point of this video to talk about how to properly understand the thousand years, the millennium. Okay. However... That being said, it is very clear that using the principle of Scripture interpreting Scripture, Ezekiel 38 must be interpreted in light of Revelation chapter 20. That being the case, what Ezekiel is prophesying about is not geopolitical Israel. What Ezekiel is prophesying about is the final attempt of the devil to wage war against the saints. And you sit there and go, well, how can it be? Because Ezekiel said Israel. This is where you have to pay attention to how the New Testament defines words. Next text, Romans 9. See, all, so many of the, the premillennials, their focus is on the nation state of Israel, and it shouldn't be. As Christians, we have to abide by the definitions given in Scripture. Listen to this. Paul, writing in Romans 9, says this. I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh." They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. But it's not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. Listen to what the scripture says, okay? So the Gog-Magog war it envisions these hordes attacking Israel. New Testament defines what Israel is. All, not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel, and not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. But through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This 
means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. Everybody who is a Christian, whether they are Jew or Greek, you know, whether they are Jew or Goyim, they have been grafted into Israel. And so what Ezekiel 38 and 39 is depicting in apocalyptic language is picked up in the book of Revelation and shown to be what it is. It is a prophetic depiction of Satan's last ditch effort to deceive the world and finally once and for all destroy the saints, to destroy Israel, those who have the same faith as Abraham. That's what this text is getting at. So when we get, we come back then to <sighs> Pat Robertson, he is basically not allowing scripture to interpret scripture. And he is anachronistically taking the word Rosh from Ezekiel 38 verse 2 and applying it to Russia. It has nothing to do with that. And the whole point of Ezekiel 38, it is a depiction of, if you would, the final battle between Satan and the church. And Christ ultimately is the one who wins. So let's listen in some more. At the situation that exists, you see Ukraine, and then you see the Black Sea, and you see the Mediterranean, and you see a land bridge uh, from Russia across into the uh, cities that are listed in the Bible. Now, Ukraine uh, is key because they have a land bridge between Russia and Turkey. And you've got uh, Erdogan, who's a dictator in, in uh, Turkey, and you've got Putin now coming into Russia. And those nations are going to be lined up the so-called uh, rush. Now, here's what the Bible, the, the biblical names of those places are. So let's take a look again at what the Bible says. Rush is up there in the southern part of Russia. No, it's not. And there is no solid Hebrew biblical scholar that would agree with this. This is a result of an asinatal connection of connecting it because Rosh and Rosha sounds the same, but the word Rosha didn't even exist until the Middle Ages. Let me come back to my quote here. So uh, the, the only identification to be rejected unconditionally is the fatuous attempt of some dispensational premillennialists to identify Ezekiel's Rosh with modern Russia, most, mostly because of the asinatal similarity. The association is hopelessly anachronistic. This is like saying that Jesus liked fish tacos. Okay, there were no fish tacos in in Galilee at the time of Christ. Okay, uh, although he he did have fish, he didn't put them on tacos. All right, the association is ho hopelessly anachronistic because all evidence indicates that Rosha is of northern Viking derivation and was first used in the Middle Ages. What he's doing here is totally missing the point, and as a result of it, he is invoking, if you would. Uh, you know, God's word as if somehow the Ukrainian invasion has something to do with Bible prophecy. It might fall under the category that Jesus warns us about in Matthew 24 of wars and rumors of wars, but Jesus says, don't let these things concern you, right? So we come back then to... <clears throat> Mr. Pat Robertson. Magog, you look at Uzbekistan, Turkestan, Azerbaijan, Armenia, and Kazakhstan. That's all in that Magog area. Yeah, right next to Heredistan. Persia is Togarma and Tubal, you see right there. And then North Sudan is so-called Kush. Now, all the troops there are going to be coming against Israel in the latter days. And God says, I am going to take care of it. But why is, is Putin insane? Well, yes and no, because he is being driven to move against Israel because God said, I'm going to put hooks in your jaws. I'm going to bring it down on them. <laughs> total, 
misuse of this text. You know, so God has put hooks in the mouth of Putin to draw him into a fight with Israel. <sighs> this aired on February 28th. Now, you, you get the picture. But again, I, I want to get that map one more time to show the relationship. You see, there's Ukraine, and there is the Mediterranean, and there is the Crimea and the Black Sea. And you see that little land bridge between the Black Sea and he says Greece and Bulgaria. On the one hand, you've got, you've got uh, Putin and his troops. On the other hand, you have Erdogan and the people in Turkey. And those together will be making up this tremendous uh, army in the latter days. And I, I think you can say, well, Putin's out of his mind. Yes, maybe so. But at the same time, he's being compelled by God. He went into the Ukraine, but that wasn't his goal. His goal was to move against Israel ultimately, and he'll link up with Turkey, with Azerbaijan. So Putin's goal is to, uh, to wage war against Israel, really? Again, this is a complete mishandling of Ezekiel 38 and ignoring of its interpretation in Revelation 20. And, uh, and also the definitions given to us in Scripture. Those who believe in Christ who are Christians, the saint, the Hagioes, uh, you know, that's not even, the Hagioi, uh, they are the, uh, they are Israel. And the Ezekiel 38 text is referring to a prophecy about Satan waging war against the church, against the saints. So what Pat Robertson is doing here is, well, it's true to form for him. He is not a sound biblical teacher or exegete. And uh, he, he's sounding the alarm, you know, that apparently Putin's going to wage war against Israel. That's not what the Bible is talking about here at all. And I would note here, you know, uh, one of the, one of the uh, things that I strongly recommend, a good commentary online, is Kretzman's popular commentary. You can find it at kretzmanproject.org, K-R-E-T-Z-M-A-N-N, kretzmanproject.org. Dot org, And on this text, you, you, and Kretzman wrote this like a hundred years ago, <laughs> long, 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 long time ago. And uh, here, here's what he says about this. We have here a pictorial, symbolical grouping of nations as representatives of the heathen world assembled against the church of God. That's what Ezekiel 38 is about. And how did Kretzman come to this conclusion? Because he read ex he read Revelation chapter 20, which make, makes that connection very clear for us. And he understands how Israel, the word itself, is used in the New Testament. And by the way, this is not replacement theology. The church has not replaced Israel. The church is is Israel. That's Paul's point. Everybody who's a Christian has been grafted into Israel. So hopefully you found that, at least that part of it, helpful. But there's more. Wait. So all of that being said, let's take a look here. Now, right before, practically on the eve of the invasion, prophet Chris Yoon well, he said that, that Russia is not invading the Ukraine. Let's listen to his prophetic utterance. Then you can see Putin, right? Putin, everybody's saying, oh, he's going to invade, he's going to invade. I've said before, I believe in the spirit that the Lord showed me that um, in the peace of my heart that he's not going to invade Ukraine. He's not going to go take hundreds of thousands of forces and go all the way across Ukraine and take it over. Awkward. Okay, let me remind you of something that Scripture says very clearly. And uh, no way around this. 1 John chapter 4. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. We are instructed by Scripture not to believe every spirit, but we have to test whether or not a spirit is actually from God. So let's ask this question. Did God tell Chris Yoon that Russia wasn't going to invade the Ukraine? Listen again to what he said. Invade. I've said before, I believe in the spirit that the Lord showed me that um, in the peace of my heart that he's not going to invade Ukraine. He's not going to go take hundreds of thousands of forces and go all the way across Ukraine and take it over. A lot of the Biden administration. 
Yeah, did uh, did, did Putin and Russia invade the Ukraine? Yeah, they did. That seems to be all over the news. So all of that being said, let's remind you, Deuteronomy chapter 18. Deuteronomy 18, yes, this applies. Um, so in Deuteronomy 18, verse 15, it says, uh, Yahweh, your God, will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired of Yahweh, your God, at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, let me not hear again the voice of Yahweh, my God, or see this great fire anymore, lest I die. And Yahweh said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my word in his mouth. He shall speak to them all that I command. I note that this is a prophecy about who? Jesus. New Testament figure, if you know what I mean, right? So we are required to listen to the prophet who God will raise up. Uh, but note then, it says, the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name, which is exactly what Chris Yoon did, he presumed to speak an, a word in the name of God that God didn't command him to speak. He said, they go, well, how do you know God didn't command them to speak it? Because Russia invaded the Ukraine. And watch what the test says here. Uh, uh, who, uh, okay, but the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not spoken uh, or not commanded him or who speaks in the name of other gods, <clears throat> that prophet shall die. Now, <clears throat> we're not calling for that right now. In the ancient theocracy of Israel, you know, that was the, the punishment for false prophets. So if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that Yahweh has not spoken? So, okay, there's your test. And remember what the, the New Testament says. Okay, the New Testament says, test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Why? Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So how may we know a word that Yahweh has not spoken? Well, when a prophet speaks in the name of Yahweh, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that Yahweh has not spoken. So uh, Chris Yoon has given a word that uh, Yahweh has not spoken, and we used a biblical test to test it because his word didn't come true. In fact, the exact opposite of what he said would happen happened, uh, and all of that because you know he he basically said it would you know this is what the Lord was speaking in his heart. But Exodus twenty verse seven says this: You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So what has Chris Yoon done? Blasphemed. He is guilty of misusing God's name. He has broken this commandment by claiming what he did. Let me back it up again. Mm -hmm. Everybody's saying, oh, he's going to invade. He's going to invade. I've said before, I believe in the spirit that the Lord showed me that um, in the peace of my heart that he's not going to invade Ukraine. He's not going to go take hundreds of thousands of forces and go all the way across Ukraine and take it over. A lot of the Biden administration saying different things. A lot of the... Uh, yeah, Chris, um, you need to hang it up. You're not a prophet. You just blasphemed God. You gave a word that God did not say. And so you need to repent by uh, hanging up the prophetic channel altogether and repent and, and go read your Bible. <sighs> Man, I'm not excited about this next one. Okay. So uh, it, almost... <laughs> Almost a month, not quite, 20, 21 days prior to the invasion prophet, Cindy uh, Jacobs um, got online for this prophetic word for the Ukraine. And man, is this a mess. Listen in on this one. Hello, everyone. I was praying for a word for Ukraine right now. And I'm going to just prophesy it. And the Lord says, hold the line. Hold the line. War with Russia is not inevitable. It's not inevitable. And I saw literally intercessors from the whole region. The Lord says that Ukraine is going to need to have people from Romania, Moldova, you know, the surrounding. So the people from the Ukraine need the Moldovians and others. Okay. areas yeah. geographically to stand with you because the Lord says. 
So apparently the Ukrainians failed their assignment. I mean, it, invasion wasn't imminent. It was, didn't have to happen, but it's their fault because they didn't assemble the correct number of people necessary to prevent it from happening. That this would be a regional incursion and not just into the Ukraine that could happen. And so the Lord says, the Lord said, she's saying the Lord said, for every kilometer that is on your borders, you must stand and have intercessors praying for every kilometer. And so they failed to have the, the requisite number of Ukrainian prayer intercessors along the border every kilometer. They could have stopped it, but they didn't listen to God. And I saw the literally like you were building a wall of prayer between Ukraine and Russia. And I'm sure that the Russian intercessors don't want war either. And so I just I just say build a regional wall. Let's pray. <laughs> so just build a regional wall. Do it in five, ten minutes easily. If you just get enough people, you know, and incrementally at the every kilometer along the border. For wisdom, and the Lord says, I will begin to speak wisdom and restraint. Yeah, God's not talking to you either, Cindy. You are a false prophet. And I just literally want to say to you, this is the word of the Lord. War is... No, it's not. This is not the word of the Lord. Not inevitable, but it certainly could spark at any moment. It's not inevitable, but it could spark. So you better get that prayer wall built. And so, you know, it depends on what is happening in prayer right now. There must be prayer and fasting. It's like she's hedging her prophetic bets so she can't be wrong. Fasting, fasting every single day. Churches working together as many as you possibly can get. This will produce great unity. And I was thinking of how my friend Chuck Pierce, before this really heat. Chuck Pierce. Ah, cuckoo banana town. That had this prophecy there would be conflict in the spring. And so. It's winter. It's not spring yet. Just so you know. The Ukrainian invasion took place in winter. Well, anyway, we are standing with you here in the West praying. I'm praying every day for you, for Ukraine. I'm praying for the Russian people as well. And uh, I want to say to you, the Lord wants Ukraine to stand as a bastion of religious freedom. He does? Then why aren't they right now? And the Lord's hand is surely upon you. But if the region will stand together. And the region didn't uh, apparently didn't stand together as was necessary. And pray. Even the churches in Russia, the churches in Ukraine. I know that there has been uh, some unity that has happened between various churches. And the Lord says, watch and see. I will stop the spark from happening that will spark even not only a regional war, greater than even Ukraine, but a World War III, says the Lord. <sighs> yeah, God didn't say any of that either. Again, if you are getting your, you know, part of your news and, and analysis of what's going on in the Ukraine from any of these yahoos, you need to repent. No, God isn't speaking through any of these people. They are false prophets and they are deceivers. So let's listen to um, Mike and Cindy Jacobs interviewing <clears throat> Chuck Pierce from Cuckoo Banana Town. And uh, grab a prophecy bingo card. It you you'd be surprised how quickly you're going to fill that thing up on this one. And this is their conflict between Ukraine and Russia. Chuck Pierce prophetic dateline with Cindy and Mike Jacobs. Here we go. And by the way, the audio echo that's on their end, not mine. Chuck is one of the few prophets of the many prophets we know that is just spot on accurate with timing. I mean, he would be. Spot on accurate. The man never says a lucid sentence. 
considered the prototype Issachar prophet. He understands the <laughs> times and seasons, and God gives him revelation of those, and then he... God doesn't give him any revelation. If God is speaking through Chuck Pierce, God has lost his mind and has a mental illness, and we need to fear because the universe is going to come crashing down in front of our eyes. He voices that, and in fact, uh, one of the most recent things that impacts all of us, and as you're looking at the news can see it, Chuck prophesied that we were moving into a season and would it be by this spring, and I think even maybe by April specifically, you said, Chuck, yeah. that that we, there would be uh, an atmosphere of war, and you didn't say it would necessarily be... Atmosphere, prophecy bingo word. The kind of conflict we're seeing between Russia and Ukraine, but there would be a time of war. So look, can you elaborate on that a little? Well, actually, actually, when I... Again, the echoes on there and not mine. I was coming to your gathering there and uh, Cedar uh, Creek uh, over in your area. Uh, the Lord spoke to me. He said, kings go to war in spring. The conflict began in winter. And I kept pondering. Chad was driving. I think Daniel and Amber were with us. And I kept pondering, saying, Lord, what are you saying? Because anytime I'm... <laughs> Lord, what are you saying? The Lord ain't talking through you, Chuck. You are a deceiver. With you two, I, I feel like it opens up a portal for me. Portal prophecy, bingo Read word. Here, in a way. That Hang on, backing it pondering, up. Pondering, saying, Lord, what are you saying? Because anytime I'm with you two, I, I feel like it opens up a portal for me to hear in a way that I don't always hear, you know, because I feel like I feel like I come under that uh, that apostolic prophetic uh, mantle that you have. And <laughs> mantle prophecy, bingo word. He's not saying anything. Diagram these sentences and see if he's actually saying anything. So it, it was easy for me to hear that. And I could prophesy. So I went to Mike's second uh, Samuel chapter 11, where David should have gone to war uh, against the uh, Arameans. And he didn't do that. Yeah, that text has nothing to do with the war in the Ukraine. And uh, what it caused when he didn't go to war. And the Lord began to say two things with me to me. Um, he began to show me, first of all, that the war would be, uh, and I did think Russia and China, of course, because I have such background with Russia and China starting in the 80s. And I did think Russia. And, uh, but he, the, what the Lord spoke to me was, we cannot be passive starting in spring. So you gotta, you gotta quit your passivity. Once spring gets here, thus saith the Lord. Now, that's really what he spoke, that the passivity that has been on the body, that where we've been totally encapsulated with all we've been going through with COVID and everything. Totally encapsulated with what we've been going through. Everything that's been going on. We had to break out of passivity by spring. Have you broken out of your passivity yet? The, 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 the peace of the world depends on it, you know. As God's people, so we could rise up and begin to pray more effectively. Yeah, so if, you, in fact, your, your prayers are ineffective if you haven't risen up out of your passivity. Because of the world conflict. Now, how he showed me the world conflict, and then you guys just pipe in, and, and I, I think I'll get more insight as you discuss things. But he showed it to me because he showed me the harvest sickle in heaven. That sickle was moving in heaven and it was recreating how the nations were beginning to respond. So the sickle in heaven was recreating how the nations were beginning to respond. The time has come, my little friends, to talk of other things, of shoes and ships and sealing wax and cabbages and kings and why the sea is boiling hot and whether pigs have wings, Kalu Kalei, come run away. 
were cabbages and kings. And see, when heaven starts changing, earth starts changing, governments start changing. And uh, all of a sudden, I could see the nations realigning in ways we have not seen them realign historically. I saw Russia now. Previously, I had written about how Russia would attempt by 2026 to regain all what they had given up during the dismantling of the old Soviet bloc countries. And so I saw the movement occurring and I really saw how the nations were beginning to make this incredible shift. Shift. Nations were beginning to make an incredible shift. Bingo. And we might want to talk about that really with Russia, the Russia-Ukraine incidents. Because Again, note, he's not saying anything. What's it, that's going to do? That's going to pull America into a place that I'm a little unsettled. You know, Kozar uh, updated the, uh, the figures for how much Chuck Pierce makes a year. One point two million dollars a year saying nothing because of our current administration mm -hmm. uh but uh, because it doesn't have the same backbone that is needed to take a stand the way we need to stand in days ahead mm -hmm. and then of course with the olympics coming from china I remember when God just outlined China for me starting in 1986 through 2026. He outlined China. How long was the outline? Some of you out there, you have to understand, we are changing so rapidly. Yeah, we're changing rapidly. In the earth that, that uh, we are changing so rapidly in the earth that we will, it will be hard for us to recognize exactly who we are by 2026. Right. We're changing so rapidly in the earth. It would be hard for us to recognize who we are. Wow. <laughs> wow. He didn't say anything. Well, you know, I, I, uh, the prophetic council, various members, starting 10 years ago, prophesied a war with China, Russia, China, and Iran. And Iran would give oil, you know, that was needed and a lot of things like that. And then uh, I think there was a meeting between um, uh, Russia and China. And, you know, there is some conjecture that that uh, after the Beijing Olympics, just like after, I think, was it the Munich Olympics? Uh, yeah, was, yeah you know, Munich Olympics. That that Hitler, you know, went into war, that something could happen in China. We are in a season of war. Season, prophecy, bingo word. We are, you know, and and the, th the thing to realize is that we are not to be afraid, but we are to pray like we have never prayed before. Yeah, you, you better, like you haven't prayed before because, you know, you'll note the Ukrainians, they failed to get everybody all along the border at one kilometer increments and pray away the Russian invasion. So, you know, if you don't want war to overcome the whole earth, you better pray like you, you've you never prayed before because we got to shake off the passivity thing by spring, you know. We have a prayer army, a massive prayer army in the earth. That, that See, I think we're better equipped, Cindy and Mike, than we've ever been. Yeah. I, I think we're we're more mature. I think when God pulled us aside in March 2020, he re, he started re, redefining the remnant. See, he, God was redefining the remnant back then. So, you know? mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I see what you guys have done to pull uh, key prophetic uh, uh, aligned voices all around the world. A line is a prophecy bingo word. And I believe we are actually stronger now than what we have ever been. Mm -hmm. we're, we're beyond just a prayer army and we're an apostolic, prophetic Judah structure. <laughs> I 
This man is blaspheming God. I'm sorry for laughing, but this is absurd. An apostolic prophetic Judah structure? How, how about Judas structure? Because you are betraying Christ and blaspheming his name by attributing to him and to God the Holy Spirit these nonsensical words that have no basis in reality, let alone lucidity. I, I, th I think you get the point. This, I, I, I've gone as far as I can go. So, uh, yeah, uh, is there any prophetic insight that, you know, if, that we can look to as it relates to the war in the Ukraine? No. <laughs> this isn't the Gog-Magog war. And anybody out there claiming to be getting direct revelation from God about this, you know, what's going on in the Ukraine, you know, prophetic uh, apostolic Judah structures and things they are blasphemers and the church needs to repent because these people are giving God a really bad name and making Christians look like complete buffoons. But biblical Christianity isn't any of this. The real message that we have to proclaim, we will keep proclaiming whether there's war or peace, whether the you know nation rises against nation, or whether or not the devil is attacking us, uh, you know, from within or without. We will continue to proclaim Christ and Him crucified for our sins, and call people to repentance so that they can have faith in Christ and forgiveness and pardon. Because the real war that matters is the war we've been participating against. God by siding with the devil against God. We need to repent, be forgiven, reconciled to God, and God promises full pardon for every rebel sinner like you and like me who trusts in Jesus and what he's accomplished for them on the cross. But that's not what you hear from these yehus. Uh, you know, these people, you know, well, the Lord is telling me this and that, telling me that. And you, after hearing it, you sit there and go, I have no idea what God is saying. I must, I, I must not be spiritual enough to figure it out. They're not saying anything. They're intentionally saying nothing while trying to make it appear like they're saying something. This is just double talk. It's not prophecy. And you'll know Chris Yoon flat out prophesied falsely regarding the uh, Ukraine, which means you shouldn't be listening to him at all. N not him, not Troy Black, any of these YouTube prophets. They're false. Repudiate them, rebuke them, unsubscribe from them, and uh, warn people about them because they are deceiving many and giving Christ a really bad name. So hopefully you found this helpful. If so, all the information on how you can share the video is down below. And until next time, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen. Amen.